Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 93 of the Your Money, Your Life podcast. I'm Delano Soporu, host, financial advisor. I want to thank you for tuning in to another week of this awesome podcast. So this week, we're, of course, going to go through our financial roundtable. We're going to talk about what's in the news as well. We also have a question of the week. So make sure that wherever you're listening, you five-star rate, subscribe, and review this pod. Again, as always, I thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show this week. Let's get into the market update this week. So as we sit here, the futures are up this morning. So we're trading higher. We're still major indexes are at all time highs. We're seeing a lot. We really last yesterday, the Fed announced they're tapering. So they said they're going to slow down the 120 billion in bond purchases they've been making for the last what it's been a couple of years now. It's been for a long time, but they re-upped you know the amounts uh, through the pandemic. So. Really, they met, mentioned yesterday during the Fed policy meeting that they're going to start to unwind that buying, and the market reacted positively. We saw that the market jumped on that news and finished the day strong. So we're seeing a lot of movement upwards and a lot of momentum upwards right now in the market. I think you know a lot of investors are staying and holding in their positions and buying. They're bidding up, you know, bidding up the market right now, as I've kind of told a lot of people. <laughs> um, so that's the big thing that's happening in the markets right now. We're still going through earnings. A lot of companies are releasing their earnings report. We saw Activision Blizzard, or excuse me, we saw Take-Two Interactive release earnings. We saw Electronic Arts. The video game companies are interesting. I spoke about it. You can check out the article on CNBC. Um, actually, all people that listen to this podcast, go and search Delano Support on CNBC.com. Make sure you watch all articles and keep pushing Team New Street to the forefront and the front page of these articles and these places because you know they don't want us to, they don't want to see our faces there that's that's for darn sure but make sure you go ahead and do that but you know really that's an interesting place in the market around and you're seeing crypto continue to push push to hides and kind of linger around there so that's a great that's a great for for crypto holders as well let's move away from the market and talk about current events the news in business so the big thing there's a big thing right now is Zillow so Zillow is pretty much plunged. It's plunged. The stock dropped like 30% in two days, they, they, they reported. And it's pretty much based on the fact that their house flipping business has flopped. So pretty much they were buying up these businesses, rehabbing them, doing different things, and then selling them on the market because they were they are a market maker. And so they were able to kind of, they were trying to use their analytics and their data and their ability to have capital to do this on a bigger scale. Um, but they just realized that they, they overestimated some different things. They overestimated the the demand and the price momentum of these houses. And so they said, hey, we have to take a, to take a step back. And they're laying off 25% of their workforce because of this miscalculation. Um, and so it was a big blunder. And the stock you know, dropped on this news. Obviously, as investors saw the headwinds coming for the company that they're already in battling with right now. So obviously, strategic misstep by the company. I don't hold Zillow. I don't really like people know me. I'm not a big real estate person. Uh, but that's it, that's it's big news and something to be talked about. Switching gears to the Fed. We just talked about it in the earlier segment of the market. So the Fed had their meeting. They've been buying bonds from banks to lubricate the economy and provide cash flow for, to the banks that will begin to consumers. That's what they do economic. If you had an economics class, you understand. At the Fed, when there's a time of economic constraint, when there's a down cycle in our economy, they use this monetary policy to fiscal policy to run really 
lubricate the economy and get you all to keep spending and buying things and doing all the things that a lot of people are doing because people are just flush with cash right now. And that's going to be slowed now. And they're monitoring inflation as well. They're monitoring unemployment. They're just monitoring the whole recovery. And so they're making these moves based on what they're seeing uh, in historical data and what they project to happen in the future. So that is a big um, announcement that came came across. We were wanting to see what the market would do, uh, but they've communicated this so well that the market responded correctly or in their, their minds correctly to this. So, so that's one thing to watch. A little tidbit note. SPACs, remember that whole SPAC craze that would happen like two a year ago? Uh, well, Kevin, Gar- Kevin Durant, not Garnett's, Durant's, the famed basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets. I actually want to go to a Brooklyn. I'm going to go to a Brooklyn Nets game here soon. Um, maybe I'll be able to sit by Jay-Z. Who knows? No, actually, I, I will probably not be sitting by Jay-Z. But Kevin Durant, basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets, just got into the SPAC market. He bought in to uh he's actually one of the investors in a SPAC and they're just filed for 200 million dollar IPOs he's launching a SPAC um and they usually put a face to this SPAC uh, to draw probably to draw on investors and sponsors um but they're gonna launch an IPO of a SPAC and they're kind of it's including Jay-Z Serena Williams they've got a couple people uh behind it so interesting we'll see what they do uh what they purchase but uh, that'll be something to watch uh, as you're seeing a lot of basketball players, not just basketball players, but athletes get involved in the financial markets in different ways because it's so important, especially startup stuff. They're doing a lot in the venture space. Speaking of the venture fit space, PitchBook released some data showing that with one that for, in the forty billion in the first three quarters of 2021, U.S. startups with one or f- more female founders raised forty billion in the first three quarters of 2021, almost double. The amount raised in all of 2020 or 2019, according to this pitch book data. So it's been a new record year for women to sell their companies or to take them public. So there seems like the market and investors would be like, hey, we want to back women now. And and the minority, I don't know what the minority data is, but it's, it's still probably not very strong. But you're seeing that all over the place now with people trying to, you know, obviously you want to make money for yourselves, but they're saying, hey, we can't just invest in the same people. There's other people that can run and grow startups and businesses, and we want to see if we can fund them as well. And so that's what you're seeing pretty much. And, you know, it, it bodes well for the for the people, for everyone involved, for all shareholders and stakeholders. So something to watch. Now, Squid Game, awesome show on Netflix. Loved it. Netflix, so many different shows, but Squid Game was a big hit, probably their biggest hit ever. And so with that, you're seeing, you saw a crypto coin called Squid launch last week at a penny. It was a penny or less than a penny. I don't even know what it was. And it was a play to earn currency professed to let buyers play online games based on the South Korean thriller Squid Game. Three days later, Squid was up 44,000% um, to $4.42 as it gained media coverage. It soared another 23 million percent between October 26th and November 1st, hitting nearly 3,000 a share. This thing started at less than a penny, a tenth of a penny, it sound, looks like. Um, or at a penny, excuse me. It crashed to nearly zero. What happened? It was a rug pull. That's why I always tell people, one, stop investing based on what your other people are saying. Stop investing based on headlines. Stop investing because you don't know what you're doing. And so it was a rug pull strategy assumed that the squid coin creators not has from what i know it has no relation to the squid game creators but the squid coin creators sold all the coins after they pumped it up and used the 
the strategy of playing on this popular show to pump up this coin. And they sold all these coins for real money, uh, causing the coin to plummet back to zero. And so I saw some CNBC article that some person lost like 30,000 of their savings because they got put into this rug pull and scams happen all over the place in crypto and different areas and in venture investing in anything. That's why, you know, I tell people just to stop trying to chase some sort of unrealistic thing that you know you have no idea what it is right like and people still obviously for their greed purposes and not wanting to work for something will still fall for these type of scams um it's unfortunate i didn't i didn't even click on any articles of this until i saw you know the the whole rug pull scheme because i you know you know you know these are fakes you know these are rug pulls you know these are things that are going to get people to buy these coins and the people that started the coin just took the money sold it and you're out, you're out at zero and they're anonymous and they're gone. So, so that people, you got to be careful. You should be working with an expert because you, you really are just going to fall into some sort of trap. Speaking of traps, which is not one, but Facebook is now shutting down its decade old facial recognition software. The company announced this not too long ago. It's part of a new change. Their newly minted meta will delete the facial scan data of more than 1 billion users from its social network. So why? They're trying to make sure that they're it's not possible. They're, they they want to adopt a new technology. Um, so they're deleting this template. In, in a big blog post, Meta's VP of Artificial Intelligence, Jerome Presenti, cited a lack of clear regulation by the government and concerns about the place of facial recognition technology in society. So they're raising that, and now they're moving more to this meta-immersive digital um, virtual reality world. Um, and yeah, a lot of these so facial recognition software we've talked about, or maybe we haven't talked about it, but there is chatter about it because they don't recognize black and brown people a lot of times, especially with artificial intelligence and AI. They're showing that there's signs that cars aren't recognizing black and brown people and it have to, they could be accents in the future. A lot of these people that program and feed the software and the computer's initial information, which the computers build off of, are usually typically like white men who do not a lot of times know anyone outside of their race. So they are not able to program stuff to differentiate. And so that's a big, big issue as you see with artificial intelligence down the pipeline. This is something that will have to be watched closely. Um, and speaking of artificial intelligence and AI, Tesla, who is the stock is a famed controversial stock, um, obviously, you know, if you've been on the Tesla train or just been watching it, you know, stock is doing performing incredibly well. But they also announced that Hertz is trying to buy a thousand, one hundred thousand electronic vehicles from Tesla. Elon Musk said that they haven't signed a contract yet, but it's seemed like they're in the works for it, uh, which is a big deal because if you're having a lot of these auto rental companies buy fleets of EVs and different plate things from Tesla or other people, you know, they're from next step is to obviously do the art of autonomous driving ones. And that's another big thing that's coming down the pipeline. So we're seeing all this stuff seem to take shape, uh, the future right before our eyes. It's kind of exciting. It's really exciting. I should say actually. Um, and next up Coke, Coca-Cola has bought body armor, which is a Gatorade rival. Body armor is like a sports drink. Um, and it's a Gatorade rival. It's back. It was backed by some of the biggest sportist athletes, including Kobe Bryant. But Coke splurged. They bought it for five point six billion, which is their biggest acquisition to date. So they packed up and they bought Body Armor. The Body Armor sales are on track to hit one point four billion this year. So Gatorade uh, Gatorade sales were still five x higher. But you know, obviously, Body Armor is doing well, and their Coke bought it for five x sales or six x sales, and that's not a bad move for them. 
And one fun fact, RIP Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, back in 2014, got 10% stake of Body Armor by investing $6 million in the company. Um, his family and estate will reportedly collect approximately $400 million from the sale of the shares. And that's what we talk about uh, when we're talking about diverse early stage investing, holding long-term investing, not trying to day trade, actually increase capital by increasing your cash flow to do more diversified and alternative investments. What New Street, my firm, and what I'm doing for so many great people. This is the type of stuff we're trying to talk about. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do it on the stage of Corey Bryant, but if you collectively pool capital together, you can do some big things. So that's really, really cool to see. Um, another billionaire, multimillionaire news Elon Musk and others have balked at the billionaire tax, which we talked about last week, but it's now dead. They're not going to go forward with this billionaire unrealized gain tax. You saw Elon Musk, a lot of people say, how will this work? They were obviously going to fight, fight in their side eyeing this pro proposition, and they weren't going to let it go through. The billionaires have too much power, folks. They have way too much power. Um, and normally people are taxed on income. I think we should switch things and do things on larger amounts of real estate because um, that's easy to identifiable. And yeah, they just, they bulked at it and they said, nay, we don't want this. And the regulators and the legislators backed away because they fund them too much. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but they did back away. Um, and so you won't see that down the pipeline anytime soon. But that's our news. It was a lot, a huge heavy slate. Um, next up, we will go to the round table next. Hey, everyone, gather around for the financial round table where we discuss news, events, things that are on our mind when it comes to personal finance and other life items. You know, sometimes I bring in life items here. Um, but this week we're talking about if you're offensive or defensive financially. What does that mean? If you play sports, if you know about sports, you know, there's the offense, which is usually on the attack. The offense is trying to score. They're on the attack. They're game planning. If you talk about it in football terms, this is what I love. They're on the attack. They're trying to score. They're game planning. They're being aggressive. Um, and that's something that to think about. Like, are you offensive? Are you someone that, you know, attacks things, sets things up, be, takes more risk, is aggressive? Or are you defensive, reactionary? You, you set things up. You like to play it safe. You like to just make sure things don't go wrong. Um, and that's the way you do it. Again, no side is preferred for people. And no side is better or worse. It's all of what you do. I just thought about this because I saw a tweet talking about, you know, especially in the minority community, a lot of people are just taught to be defensive and save and do nothing, don't invest, just put it in a checking account, which is possibly kind of not one of the least smartest thing people can do. Um, and just not do anything, like just live, which I, I, as you already know, I'm a very offensive financially person, just offensive in general. Uh, when it comes to taking risks, being smart, putting things to work, seeing ROI, which means return on investment, seeing things come to fruition from taking an offensive, aggressive strategy, which is not always works for all people. You have so many different things to uh, involve. But again, if you're on the defensive side, you're just like, hey, I want to have five, a million, uh, six to year, months to a year in my checking or savings. It just sits there being eaten up by inflation and just sit around and, and hope to retire by the time I'm 60-something. Again, I sound biased in this because I probably am, but I just, um, there are different sides. So you got to figure out which side you are and what side makes sense for you and then go for it with that. Don't worry about what other people do. I don't worry about what other people do. 
worry about myself and my clients um, and their own specific individualistic goals, but figure out which side you are and then you can figure out what makes sense. Because I think a lot of people, it makes sense if you're aggressive, it makes sense to work with someone, especially on investing. If you're defensive, it makes sense to work with someone, especially where you can see where, especially so you can see where things, where there might be holes in your strategy, in your defense. You definitely want those to be alleviated, closed up, and those gaps um, mitigated because one thing people do, especially when they're defensive, they get FOMO because they see other people doing makey moves and they just jump at anything and they get rug pulled or they get something happen to them because they're just trying to overextend themselves without a clear strategy and plan. So again, we work with a lot of great people across the spectrum and I think it's important to to reach out and talk to someone that can help you with this and sit down. Um, and that's why New Street Advisor Group and myself is here. So hey, let's go into the question of the week next. Question of the week. I thought this was an interesting question um, and a really good one for all the FOMO and, and you talk about inflation, you talk about wage increases, what's been going on in the economy. But the reader says, I just feel like I'm behind. I'm 29 years old and I have 4,000 bank account and a $20,000 emergency fund. Am I doing okay financially? So the elongated question reads, I'm 29 years old with 1,000 in my checking, 3,000 in savings, 25,000 in my Roth IRA. My employer doesn't offer retirement benefits. Shame on them. Come to New Street if you want to set that up for your small business, all right? 20,000 in emergency fund and no debt. I just started investing. I still don't fully understand how it works. So I decided to pick up a robo-advisor. Wrong move, buddy. Instead of delaying my efforts, instead of delaying my efforts, period. At the moment, I've invested 500. My biggest concern is that I'm super behind in my retirement. I just feel like I'm not doing good enough. I read on how I read, I read how so many people have saved so much and it's caused me to place a chunk of my paycheck toward my Roth and a hundred in my robo advising account. I've yet to add more money in my emergency fund, let on my savings. I have around a hundred left after paying bills and utilities, given that I forced myself to live paycheck to paycheck. My mom just asked for financial assistance regarding dental work, and I honestly feel like the 3000 I have in my savings is all I can offer. I just feel like I've always not saved enough, and now the holidays are approaching. I'm going to attempt to pinch some cash for cat gifts. My mom just asked for assistance. I don't think I've ever set enough money set money aside for small goals. So I just focus on retirement and do my best to catch up. Um longer blah, blah, blah. What would you recommend to do? Do I really need to speak with a financial planner like everyone else does? bingo, even though I don't think I can afford one. Not so true. Not so true, buddy. I just feel like I'm behind or missing something. Your insight would be so much appreciated. Well, this is interesting. Again, we were talking about in the earlier parts of the episode, just how people want. I do believe a lot of people are flush with clash, whether it's government benefits or increasing wages. There's so much going on right now. It's like one that the amount of a dollar today is is not the same as it was. It's that the the value of money is just going to be an, we're we're an inflated economy. There's no no doubt about that. I hundred percent believe that's going to get worse. Um, There's a laundry list of things this person mentioned. Um, and yes, you can look around you and people all they they focus on is posting on social media or different things about what they're doing, how much they have. Never been my type of thing to do, um, but it is to say that there are still people that are in this situation of this reader, right? There are people that are still trying to, they're not getting paid as much as others. They're trying to make it. They have things that pop up. Um, and that is still a thing, despite what uh, people online or social media will tell you, there are people that are still facing that, I, I believe. And I don't think you should feel, this person should feel 
that one, they can't talk to a planner because that is important. The reason why other people I've seen so many people get on track from where they were for one or two years ago is because they did work with me and they worked with what we had to do as far as saving, investing. Um, and so that is a big help there because it will help you feel more comfortable with your long-term goal because it is a long-term goal. You may see people doing something now and they're not thinking about the long-term and that's the biggest thing. It is a longer-term outlook that you should have. And as a, this person's 29, one thing is they have a good start. They're not in a horrible position for a 29-year-old, right? They should go on and continue to build off their plan. When you hit to your later in your 30s and late 30s and 40s, then it's like, all right, you have to be pretty sound or have a pretty good area where you feel comfortable at that point. Um, and so it, there's a lot of FOMO out there um, that has driven – people and there's also inflation there's wage increases there's still ample a lot of people to catch but you have to think about your own long-term plan and yes save for time because if you don't have a 401k employer plan a lot of people negate saving for retirement and different things because they don't have that plan so it doesn't really force them to do so so that's why i think that's why i work with people like that i set those up for small businesses because it's important for people to do it because if they're not forced to do it they won't do it um, but again, this reader, this person is on a decent path and definitely should reach out to someone, um, to work with them on that. But Hey folks, that is what we have this week. It was a long, really good episode. Thank you all for listening make sure you tune in next week.